and welcome back to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time for our monthly previews show. So, your host is always here, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. Uh, I'm joined as always by Mr. Keith Miller, and we are going to be going through the previews books for October. Now, this is October for December releases. So, as ever, we're going to traverse through the multiverse of. Uh, comic previews books that there are and pick out all the best titles for you let you know what to spend your hard-earned cash on so we'll jump into that in a moment but it's always good to see my uh my cohort and buddy keith how are you sir i am good it feels like a wee while since we've recorded largely my fault because uh, i was away on holiday how dare uh, you for a couple of weeks um i know i know but it was nice to get a couple of weeks off uh around turkey around western turkey did a lot of a lot of traveling around that way. Um, it was uh, Istanbul. Parts of it were like being in an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, it was uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. So it was a nice, a nice adventure. Nice adventure. Been back about a week or so and uh, deep in redecorating. Well, I say redecorating, but for us, it's the first time of decorating the house. Um, and while we're away, of course, you you looked after our castle. Yeah, it was nice to be there for a couple of weeks. Had a, a look after Fizz as well. Obviously brought the wee man up. He was already familiar with your place. It seems to be his fourth home, I would say, at this point. You know, after the <laughs> store, after where we are now. I always joke that Vicky's uh, stomach was his first uh, home. But, yeah, Affair. no, it was nice to be up there. It was nice to be out of the city for uh, a couple of weeks. You know, the train was so convenient because... Keith lives literally a two-minute walk from the train station. The train goes by the back of his house, so you can just roll out of bed, go out. Just make sure you go to the right side, though, because the first day I went there, I was on the wrong side. And I was like, crap, there's a train coming. And I had to scoot around. But, no, it was a, it was a nice change. It was, uh, obviously, Vicky and I are in the market for a house ourselves. Keith has very kindly thrown his uh, his previously used mortgage advisor away. We have a meeting next week. So, hopefully, we'll get going with that. And then, by the time we get a house sorted and Keith has his decorated, you'll have two lovely backgrounds behind us, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> rather than my loft and my mum and dad's house and Keith's sole Secret Wars picture to know that this is a comic book-related uh, podcast and show. But uh, No, we do, do hope to be... Uh, to be- eventually uh, back doing it in the same room at some point you know that seems so alien to me it really does Ooh. it seems so long ago that you know obviously that you know let, let's reminisce uh, but yeah this this all started you know sitting around the table you know books in front of us excuse to meet up excuse to hang out usually have a pint have a nice dinner and then obviously lockdown hit we started getting into zoom and you know skype and all that kind of stuff and now it seems almost alien to do this in person. I don't even know if I would remember how to do it in person. I'd be wanting to look at a screen. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. we'd have to we'd have to do things a little bit uh, a little bit differently. But uh, I'm sure we can manage. I'm sure we can manage. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, in the new year, that'll but, uh, be that'll be a good thing to do. Uh, how's the reading been going? I am not too bad. I'm obviously ahead of Keith. Obviously, as Keith said, he was on holiday, so he's a he's a, a good chunk behind. I think the way it fell, I think you had missed three weeks worth of releases rather than two, just mm-hmm. because of the, the 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 parameters of when you were away. But I'm in not too bad a shape. I've about I think I've about thirty five issues to catch up on, including this week's pull. And I'm not helping myself because I'm currently reading and rather enjoying the Heat Two book that has been co written by Michael Mann. It uh, it picks up literally. Where the film ends with like Vincent cool. Hanna trying to figure out how Neil McCauley got to that airport, what happened in the bank job, who shot his partner, trying to track down Neil's um, girlfriend who he ran out on. It, it's really, really good and it's really sort of uh, procedural. 
and you can just see like it's nearly all set through Vincent's eyes, but also through Chris's eyes, who was Val Kilmer's character who got away. So yes, uh-huh. he's he's trying to chase him down. But yeah, um, I'm reading that. You know, I have a few later nights at the moment. You know, with the wee man and so forth. So I've been sort of sitting reading by his cot and then sort of looking over the top of the book every so often just to make sure he's still sleeping. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, but uh, yeah, you were saying you're you're a bit more behind then. Yeah, I think I maybe maybe got about eight issues, uh, maybe about four weeks or so worth. Uh, but I'm powering through them. Some great stuff uh, over the past few weeks. Um, uh, so it's all been it's all been fairly good quality stuff. Now I have to say I have dropped a few bits and pieces, uh, but uh, but that just uh, just concentrates the quality. Yeah, well, that's that's both the joy and the problem at the moment. There's just so much quality fitting in the time, obviously the financial side of it as well. But there is a there's so much good stuff out at the moment and. Again, that's one of the reasons we like to do these previews pods is to try and like pick out the creme de la creme, so to speak, of these titles. You know, we don't just recommend everything from the DC book, everything from the Marvel books, et cetera. So we try to pick out sort of eight to ten things from each book and go from there. I streamline that further again in store with maybe five or six picks, but you know, once we start chatting, we always have to recommend a few more than those. But but yeah, no, this is this is the October book. So uh this unfortunately gets Keith to confront the fact that these come out around his favourite time of year. Uh but more on that in a minute. But uh yeah, we'll do what we always do. We'll break the books down, we'll we'll do the DC book, we'll do the Marvel book, we'll do the indie book, you know, which looks at all the other comic publishers. You know, with regards to the DC book, um, you know, as I say, we'll have to start thinking about the silly season here as as these titles hit in December and beyond. So I thought it was a strong month for DC. And again, I think there was an emphasis on quality over quantity, which is what I want to see. You know, I always worry when I see a really, really thick DC book because, you know, they've got their hooks in me by this point and they won't let go. But but yeah, as I said, it's a strong month for DC. You know, there's a there's a crossover one shot that's already one of the most heavily pre-ordered titles in the store's history. Like even before this book arrived. Uh, this title was already on about 25 pull lists and growing uh, and also thrown a few variants for it as well so we have the Batman One Bad Day series of one shots continue this time the focus is going to be on a certain feline-esque femme fatale there's some lead into the next big DC event which there's been some news on at New York Comic Con in the last couple of days as well and it'll be kicking off early next year as well as the ending of uh, of a current event that's been really really good under the uh, watchful eye of Joshua Williamson there's jumping on points galore for a host of titles, including DC's two longest running series, and also an event centered around the Scarlet Speedster that sounds absolutely inspired. A much uh, looked forward to title gets resolicited. You know, I get to embrace my cult of keenness as always. There's a celebration of Stan Lee. Yes, I am still talking about DC. And uh, there's another new series set in the Sandman universe and also some fantastic graphic novel collections of some of our favourite titles from 2022 as well. So we'll be jumping into that in a moment. Uh, what's the, the overview of the Marvel book look like? Yeah, well, I mean, as you say, it, this is always the most challenging sort of uh, edition of previews for me over the years that we've been doing it. Because as you suggest, it does force me to look to the festive season in October before Halloween is even upon us. And uh, tricks me into wishing my life away for what's coming. Um, not too many surprises in the Marvel book because they already previewed a, a few of the titles they planned on releasing in last month's uh, previews book. But uh, we're seeing the entire slate of planned tie-ins and issues from the Spider-Man X-Men crossover Dark Web. Uh, it's an upcoming crossover that unites Spidey and Marvel's Merry Mutants in a fight against a team-up between Spidey's newest enemy, Chasm, and the classic X-Men villain, the Goblin Queen. 
Uh, that story is going to be running through Amazing Spider-Man, Venom, uh, and several tie-in limited series and possibly one-shots. Um, it spins neatly out of recent issues of New Mutants, in which uh, Ileana Rasputin fed up pulling double duty or triple duty as Captain Commander of Krakoa, leader of the New Mutants and Lord of Limbo, handed the uh, the latter role over to Madeline Pryor, who is the clone of Jean Grey, sorceress, and uh, once and apparently future X-Man villain. And speaking of Spider-Man, Miles Morales is getting a new volume of his ongoing series, uh, a new creative team, uh, launching with a brand new number one. Who would have expected that? From righty Cody Ziegler, who was the writer on the fantastic penultimate episode of She-Hulk that went out yesterday, uh, as well as artist Federico Vincentini. And in the wider universe, <clears throat> the end of 2022 seems now to, to mean an annual flash forward to look at what's coming to Marvel Comics in 2023 with a new iteration of Marvel's Timeless one-shot. The first one was a one-shot published in 2021, gave readers a glimpse of uh, many of the stories Marvel has released throughout this year through the eyes of Kang the Conqueror, the, the, uh, the, 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 the time bandit. Uh, the 2022 edition seems to be this, much of the same, repeating the idea with Kang offering another look at stories and concepts that readers would maybe want to watch out for in the year ahead. So uh, so not not loaded, but interesting. Well, two notes there. One, I love that this is stuff coming out in December and you said Marvel's Merry Mutants. I, I presume that was uh, intentional? Of course, of course. Of course. The, the, the Marvel's Merry Mutants, the, the Merry Marvel Marching Society. And the second note, I suppose I should say, we haven't watched She-Hulk just yet, but we're planning to after the, the recording of this tonight. We'll probably do a double bill, She-Hulk and also Werewolf by Night drop today as well. Special mm. presentation mm-hmm. one shot, if you will. It's almost like they're embracing the comic lingo. I love it. Uh, just what's the Marvel book. In terms of the indie stuff, you know, there, there's plenty to look forward to. It's maybe a little quieter than usual, which is not a bad thing, you know, as, as Keith and I find out to our detriment nearly every single week. Indie tends to outweigh the Marvel in DC, but December a slightly quieter looking month you know image they have some strong stuff but it's actually maybe a little less than usual but boom has some stellar looking output this month which we'll certainly be digging into uh i did see the dynamite once again are trying to lure keith in uh they've done this a couple of times throughout this year either with um certain writers that he likes doing a title or in this case a certain uh a certain title that maybe takes him back to his childhood uh and dark horse also seem to have a hit in their hands with an adaptation of a fantasy favorite again pre-orders are strong in that already plenty more in between the point out as well so but we'll get on to that in a bit but as ever, we'll kick things off with the DC book. You know, as always with DC, you've got the book in store. You can Google uh, DC Connect. That'll take you to the latest issue. And the one you're looking for is the one that has that one shot I was talking about, that eagerly anticipated one shot on the cover. And that is Batman Spawn. Now, I'm not the biggest Spawn head. I was never really in Image Comics in the 90s. I went back and read Spawn 1 about a month ago because there was a facsimile came out of it. Oh God, it's bad. It's just, it looks beautiful. The art is stellar. It's action-packed. Oh, but the writing was so bad. But obviously, Spawn has been gone a long time. So it's no longer just the baby of Todd McFarlane. Many great writers have come in and put their stamp on the character. And more importantly, many great artists have and one of those best artists is undoubtedly being put to use here, and that is Greg Capullo. You know, 
stellar Batman run the New 52 and beyond that with Dark Knight's Metal and so on and so forth. But he cut a lot of his teeth on Spawn. He did it for years. And Todd McFarlane is writing this one shot as well. And, you know, usually this level of hyperbole you see in the Marvel uh, book as opposed to the DC one. But this is touted as the event of the decade, you know. You know, calm down, guys. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> this is going to be a 48-page one-shot. So uh, it carries a $7 price point. It's written by Todd McFarlane, art by Greg Capullo. There are um, an absolute mountain of variants, as you would expect, because anything Spawn-related has tons of variants, which you should know anyway. But, you know, there are some great artists involved with those variants. You know, in terms of free-to-order ones, which means we can order in all of these, you've got variants by Todd McFarlane, Gabriel Del Otto, Sean Murphy, uh, Francesco Mattina, J. Scott Campbell, and Jim Lee. And then you've got a bunch of incentive ones, which, again, will be dependent on how many people pre-order the title. I can confidently say, though, that we will probably not qualify for the 1-1,000 to sign variant cover by Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo sorry guys but yeah in terms of this uh, if you're looking at jumping into this uh, it's two dark heroes cursed by tragedy find their paths again crossing but not by choice what sinister foes at work pitting the dark knight against the hellspawn from the shadows of Gotham City to New York City this epic event is the blockbuster you've been waiting for almost two decades for there was a previous crossover before again heavyweight people involved there that was Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane and again, it's it's a fun sort of peek into Spawn's world, but it wasn't enough for me to, you know, jump flat, uh, you know, foot first into it. So, I mean, you have you ever been a Spawn guy in any capacity? Uh, I I read it whenever it first came out, um, whenever it was first released. I uh, got it in in some uh, UK issue reissue trades, and I think I read the first twelve or so issues. Um, and it was i mean it was a it was definitely a product of its time uh it really was um enjoyable at the time but i never i never thought to really dip to dip back in to it you know it, it proliferated you know beyond the the original spawn title and a whole lot of different bits and pieces and i would totally have lost track of it been yeah that's fair i mean you probably thought there's no way this is going to go on to become the longest running independent comic of all time but that is where it is you know 333 issues and counting so they're obviously doing something right or you know Todd McFarlane just has like limitless amounts of cash and just loves putting this out but <sighs> I mean they recently launched Spawn um, spin-off titles Gunslinger Spawn King Spawn Spawn the Scorch but for me the mythology was too deep to jump into so it doesn't quite hold enough yep. for me but capullo's name on this is enough to get me into this in terms of it being a one shot maybe a, a brief uh, interlude into the world of spawn so but yeah as i say the pre-orders and that are genuinely insane there, there are so many guys that just jumped on this as soon as it was announced they didn't even wait for the dc connect to come out or wait for this amazing podcast for us to recommend it these people wait but uh, we move from there and on to the Batman One Bad Day series. So this has been a series of one-shots. So already two have been released. We've had um, the Riddler and we've had Two-Face. Uh, when it comes to December, it's Batman One Bad Day Catwoman. So again, these are 64-page one-shots, no adverts, square-bound, real premium-feeling titles. And the first two have been great so far with Riddler just edging ahead for me. Tom Keating, Mitch Dreads on that one. But for this one, it's, uh, it's Catwoman and it's written by G. Willow Wilson. So... A nice big tick there straight away. And art is by Jimmy McKelvey as well. So 
For this one, it's Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, is the greatest thief that Gotham has ever seen. She's effortlessly stolen countless items of immense value over the years and successfully evaded the GCPD and Batman. But when Catwoman finds out an item from her past is being sold for way more than it used to be worth, it sends Catwoman into a spiral and she'll do anything in her power to steal it back. Batman tries to stop her before she goes too far and a mysterious figure known as the Forger will change Catwoman's life forever. The all-star creative team of G. Willow Wilson and Jimmy McKelvey unite for this epic story. So... If you're not familiar with Jimmy McKelvey, for example, did a great run on uh, Young Avengers, I think with Kieran Gillen off the top of my head, uh, worked on Wicked and Divine, again, with Kieran Gillen. Uh, G. Willow Wilson wrote the Miss Marvel run, Kamala Khan, absolutely brilliant stuff, and she's currently writing the uh, the Poison Ivy series for DC as well. So, yeah, I mean, one bad day, It's it's been a good seller for the store, it's been critically very well acclaimed, but it's still a title that you can either pick up the ones that interest you, or you can grab them all. It's they're all one shot stories. There, there's a there's a tenuous link between them, but it's not essential that you pick up all of them. So either look at the creative teams or look at the characters, and you know sort of judge it from there. That's exactly what I've done. I'm I'm not picking them all up. Uh, the the one bad day Riddler was one of the best single pieces that DC has <laughs> released in years uh, by Tom King. Uh, that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I think you'll agree. Oh, 100%. Um, and I'm not going to grab the Catwoman one, not a character that I'm terribly interested in. Um, I think the next one's Penguin with John Ridley, isn't that right? Yeah, I think it's John Ridley and Giuseppe Camoncoli. Uh, yeah, that yeah. One. so there's a few of them, you know. I'm, I'm picking up, I think, all but two of them, uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, there's some, some really good stuff in that in that Riddler one anyway. But uh, yeah, we jump from there uh, away from number ones and new series into a few series in a row here that are just all about us illustrating jumping on points for people. So when it comes to long running series, sometimes they can seem quite impenetrable. You know, you look at something that's over a thousand issues, you know, we're talking about Spawn there, for example. You know, Spawn's all one narrative. I don't think personally there's a jumping on point when it comes to independent stuff because it's all one, it's pretty much all one writer or one vision the whole way through. Whereas. When it comes to, you know, Marvel and DC, you know, different writers come up with their different stamps, they change some things, they try to simplify things, they make it easy for jumping on points for new readers so that you're not put off. So we wanted to point out a couple of those for a couple of DC's biggest titles and, you know, we, we've already been enjoying Detective Comics so far since Ram V took over, that was a 1062 uh, with a, um, a great storyline so far, gothic and operatic and really, really grand. Well, we're about to move on to a new uh, story in Detective Comics, this is Detective Comics 1067, which comes out in December. And uh, so it's written by Ram V, art is by Ivan Rice. And we're focusing here on Mr. Freeze, which for me is a really underutilized you know, character in the rogues gallery for Batman. So straight away, I'm looking forward to this. So again, you don't have to have read 1066 issues before this to get this. This is designed as a jumping on point. It's a storyline called Gotham Nocturne and it's Act 1 begins. So, Mr. Freeze encounters an Asmir, one of the demonic beings terrorising Gotham's villainous underground network. And then Mr. Freeze makes an offer to the dark detective that he cannot refuse. Then the Orgum's werewolf protector gives Two-Face one more chance to tell him who Batman is. In the backup story, uh, take a stroll inside Two-Face and Harvey Dent's mind as they try to have a secret conversation outside the listening ears of a mysterious shadow stalking them in the headspace. Uh, the backups in Detective have been great as well. Cy Spurrier's been writing them, so straight away, you know, great talent involved there as well. But yeah, Detective for me at the moment, it's... 
for lack of a better term, it's probably the most adult and grown up I think Batman has been written in quite a few years. It doesn't focus on, you know, splash page action as much. You know, you've got the main bat title for that, and that is delivered in spades, by the way, under Zdarsky and, and Jorge Jimenez. But there's something a bit more thoughtful, a bit more methodical, a bit more, as I say, gothic um, to this Detective Comics run. And therefore, if you've missed out so far, this would be a good jumping on point, I would say. A bit more Ram V, you could say. You could say that the man has a stand <laughs> and delivers every time. Uh, but yeah, Detective 1067, if you're looking away into Detective Comics and you missed out at 1062 there, although we can backtrace those issues, it's not too far back. But if you are looking at Jumping On Point, 1067 is definitely a good one. So we move from the Dark Knight uh, Detective to the Big Blue Boy Scout. That's exactly right. And just as Alan says, this is also a Jumping On Point, uh, the, the beginning of a new era for uh, for Superman with uh, Action Comics 1050. Again, you don't have to have read all 1049 issues, I think, to, to enjoy this. Um, this is, I guess, it's, I don't, it's, it is the start of a new era. Um, I'm not sure what the creative team's looking like after this. I'm certainly hoping Philip Kennedy Johnson is, is hanging around. I think he is. I'm pretty um, sure he is. I'm think, I think he is, but we, we have the, the end of the, the dark crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, it's over and a new dawn is shining for the DC universe. In the wake of cataclysmic battles with uh, Mongol uh, on, uh, on on Kal-El's part, and I read the uh, the War World uh, Apocalypse one shot last night, and my goodness, it was fantastic. The end of that War World saga was just something else. So the end of that saga, uh, Henry Bendix for, uh, for John and Pariah's Dark Army, Kal-El is back on Earth and he's here to stay. And the people of our planet are ready to look up, up and away into a brighter tomorrow. Well, most of the people. Clark Kent's reunion with Lois and his son John Kent proves fleeting when uh, when strikes the ultimate attack from Superman's greatest adversary, Lex Luthor. But this time, something different. Luthor has stolen something from Clark's life, something so important that it will change the very planet itself. If you think you've seen the biggest battle between Superman and Lex Luthor, think again. This clash will rock will rock the course of their lives forever, and it's only beginning. Two years worth of Superman stories come to a head in this oversized anniversary issue with all-star talent that launches Superman and the DCU into an exciting new era. It's 48 pages. We have Tom Taylor, Joshua Williamson, and Philip Kennedy Johnson on writing. Not uh, Clayton it. Henry. No, not at all. Clayton Henry, Nick uh, Dragotta, and Mike Perkins on art, uh, and a raft of, uh, of cover art. The the main cover by Steve Beach looks fantastic, but we've got Jim Lee, Riley Rossimo, Alex Ross, Mike Allred, uh, Gabriel Delato, Lee Weeks, Steve Lieber, all of these people uh, sort of lining up to do uh, alternate covers for uh, for uh, for Action Comics 1050. I mean, yeah, I, I'll be. I'm really really looking forward to seeing you know where this goes and what the Superman family looks like now that. You know, Clark has been away for for a year. John has been Superman of Earth, uh, and now Kaliel's back. And uh, I guess we'll see where it goes. I, I guess the Superman book will remain, you know, son of Kaliel. Um, so Action Comics, I think, is becoming the uh, the team book uh, and the, the Kaliel focused book. So interesting times ahead for uh, for the Super Family. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's anything new launched out of New York Comic Con because there's apparently a Superman panel today 
And I saw Philip Kennedy Johnson tweeting uh, tweeting about it, saying to keep an eye out for some massive news. So you never know, a third ongoing could come along that is just a Clark-centric book. I don't see Son of Kal-El slowing down, despite what internet trolls will tell you. Uh, the title <laughs> sells very well, critically does very well, it's very popular. Uh, as you say, Action Comics a bit more of a team book, so maybe there'll be a, a separate Clark one. But yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say here is the amount of variants are an absolute joke. I mean... We are in a paper shortage sort of world right now, people. We do not need 25-plus different covers for this title, especially when that cover A is glorious, absolutely yeah. glorious by Steve Beach. Um, I mean, to give you an idea of how sh- ridiculous they've went with this, there's a 1 to 1,050 variant by Jim Lee. <sighs> what? You know, I just and I say this as someone who collects variants. I like a variant or two, mm-hmm. but this is just way overkill for me. Uh, so that means that means you have to order one thousand and fifty of those before you get one copy of that. Variant. Exactly, and nah, you know, that's ridiculous. I was speaking to someone about this the other day. See if you're going to offer that kind of incentive. See now the comic grading exists and is easily accessible. For me, if you order one thousand and fifty copies of cover A of this to qualify for that issue, that should come to you graded nine point eight. Because say that gets sent to you in a box and it's packed badly and it arrives and it's bent and it's damaged and then you say, uh, I need a replacement for this. They will literally only have printed a very finite amount of those. So you yep. won't even get a replacement. So for me, the only way they could justify that in any capacity, because you're not buying a 1 to 1,050 variant to read it. It's for the cover and nothing else. But anyway, that was a slight tangent I went off on there. But yes, I'm, I'm going to be on that as well. I mean, I haven't been reading War World. I'm going to pick up the... Hard thing. There's a hardcover solicit. I'm going to pick up of it because mm-hmm. the feedback on it's been pretty phenomenal. But Action Comics is about to cross over with Son of Kal El, which I do read. So I'll read that lead up to this, and then I think I'll I'll jump on the on the Action Comics from there. So that cool. is that. Uh, yeah, as I say, you know, we we have the end of Dark Crisis of Earth this month with issue seven of that coming up, which is followed up by a one shot called Dark Crisis Big Bang by Mark Weed. Might be worth keeping an eye out for that. Will uh, pretty much set up the the DC universe going forward, I think. But the other jumping on point I wanted to mention, uh, I mentioned the Scarlet Speedster, of course, the Flash in the intro there. And this run by Jeremy Adams in general has been very, very strong, focusing on Wally West quite a bit. Uh, You've got art by Roger Cruz, and this is the start of a really inspired sounding sort of mini event within Flash called the One Minute War. So, uh, yeah, as any super speedster worth their salt will tell you, time can move pretty slow for the incredibly fast. So what happens when an entire armada of conquering speedster aliens shows up on Earth's doorstep? The most intense battle the Earth has ever waged in the span of 60 seconds begins. I think that sounds fantastic. I don't know how long it's going to run for, but that's a jumping on point right there if you want to jump into a really good flashbook, I think. Yeah, I mean, how how many issues do you run a battle that lasts 60 seconds? That's incredible. I remember Tom Keane did something like that. Remember in uh, his Batman run, uh, it was called it was the the button crossover, and I think it was the whole issue took place in thirty seconds, as uh, Reverse Flash was beating up Batman in the Batcave, and he just had to survive for like thirty seconds until Barry got back to him. So this is obviously taking that idea and you know running with it as well. But I mean, I I just hope they don't stretch it out to sixty issues. You know, a second per issue would be something interesting. But, uh, yeah, no, sounds really, really cool. And, again, that's a jumping-on point, guys, if you're looking to get into Flash but don't know where to start with it. 
Um, but yeah, moving on from there, a few more just to point out from the DC book. I mean, the first one is a resolicit. We've talked about it before, so I'll not talk about it too much here. But uh, there's a new DC Black Label book from Tom King, Jorge Fornes on art, uh, Dave Stewart on colors, and it's called Danger Street. It's going to be a 12-issue miniseries. Each issue is going to be 40 pages. And the idea behind it is to reinvent some of DC's most beloved but obscure characters, which is something I think Tom Keane has a bit of a strength with. I think, you know, you look at... Um, you look at Supergirl, not that Supergirl's an obscure character, but certainly in comparison to Superman, maybe slightly less explored. You know, you look at Mr. Miracle. Um, I think that he's good at exploring those less well-known characters, even things like Kite Man and his Batman run. And, you know, he picks random villains and stuff like that as well. But, but yeah, this is a 12-issue one. Uh, joining the Justice League is a goal for any superhero, but what happens when a quest for membership takes a sinister turn? Join Starman, Metamorpho, and Warlord as they look to prove themselves worthy by summoning and defeating Darkseid in battle. Soon they'll learn the calling upon a new god never ends well, and their world is headed for a crisis as a result. Uh, again, Jorge Fornes, one of my favourite artists around, got a real Dave Mazzuchelli feel to it. Uh, of course, was the artist on Rorschach, which we enjoyed so much. And that was one beautiful looking book the whole way through it. So, yeah, new Black Label series. It's not silly size, Keith. You'll be delighted to know it's a normal size <laughs> comic. So, uh, but yeah, that's a resolicit. That was solicited earlier in the year, but I think they wanted to get a bit more ahead in it. They were fearful of delays. And then a new title is hitting the Sandman universe. And again, this is quite the quite the creative team on this. Uh, you have a porn sack pissy shoot, of course, coming off The Good Asian, which was a phenomenal book through Image Comics, uh, is writing the Sandman Universe Dead Boy Detectives number one. Uh, it's going to be a six-issue miniseries, art by Jeff Stokely as well. I remember a Dead Boy Detective series done through Vertigo Comics, sort of early 2010s, and of course they were in the Sandman comics before that. But yeah, the Sandman universe grows as two of its most beloved characters return to the spotlight. Charles Rowland and Edwin Payne have been detectives for decades, and dead best friends even longer. But their investigation into a Thai-American girl's disappearance from her Los Angeles home puts them on a collision course with new and terrifying ghosts that could even give a dead boy nightmares, including a bloodthirsty Harasu. Even scarier than the ghosts, though neither wants to admit it, the boys might be growing apart. And perilously close by to the boys' adventure, the Sally the Witch finds herself held hostage by dangerous magics, both a threat to her life and an insult to her ego that simply will not go unanswered. Eisner award-winning writer Pornsack Pitchy Showed is joined by celebrated artist Jeff Soakley to take the dead boys to the scariest place of all, the heart of Hollywood. So, yeah, if you're into the Sandman stuff, the Sandman universe stuff's been strong. It's been attracting great writers. Obviously, Tinian's just finished up Nightmare Country, for example. So uh, that'll be an expansion of the uh, the Sandman universe there. But believe it or not, we're not moving on to the Marvel book. We're still on DC, but we are talking Stanley. We are indeed, because uh, DC is honouring uh, Stanley with Tales from Earth 6, a celebration of Stan Lee one-shot. Um, so Stan would have been celebrating his 100th birthday on December 28th. And so DC have announced this, this new one-shot to, to celebrate that. The one-shot features stories, well, features new stories based on Stan Lee's interpretations of core DC characters from uh, his Just Imagine series of one-shots, which ran from... 2001 to 2002 the book is going to be in stores december 27th it's 96 page prestige format featuring 10 stories spotlighting the just imagine characters uh, as i say who were originally featured in that 13 issue series launched in september 2001 
In addition to a new story from Michael Uslan, who was the originator uh, of, you know, well, he, he collaborated with, with Stan Lee on this, the, the original series and was the executive producer on the Batman movie franchise. Uh, this anthology also includes stories written by Mark Wade, uh, Jerry Ordway, Kenny Porter, Stephanie Williams, Michael W. Conrad, Becky Cloonan, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, Megan Fitzmartin, Steve Orlando and Zach Thompson. And uh, it's got a, a raft of artists on it. Um, so I think we're looking at uh, a criminal turned nocturnal, nocturnal warrior for justice, a champion from the Brazilian Amazon, an intergalactic lawman, and uh, other creations that span from sprang from Stan's mind with the help of Michael Uslan and uh, the originators of the DC universe. Um, we have got Batman facing down a villainous threat, the Choker. Green Lantern digs deep when Necron arrives to consume the World Tree. The Justice League team up with a familiar face in order to save the day. Shazam ventures into a top secret facility to face off against the mind-blowing and brain-burgling enemy. The Flash uses her time-bending speed abilities to attempt to reverse the tragedies of her past, but may rob herself of her powers in the process. And chaos ensues when Wonder Woman becomes the editor of the National Exposer. Um, so yeah, 96-page uh, prestige edition uh, one-shot celebrating the life of Stan uh, and marking his 100th birthday. And the game comes with a raft of varying covers just to continue to uh, add to the paper shortage. But yeah, they're doing varying covers for each character, uh, which is something, I, I suppose, wow. at least a bit interesting. But, you know, I'll just stick to the cover A by Jim Cheng that has them all on it. Why settle for one when you can have them all? But yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. really interesting. The Just Imagine stuff, I don't think it was quite the hit for DC they expected, you know, with Stan Lee's name behind it. And, you know, they thought it was quite the coup bringing over from Marvel and stuff like that. But there, there, there are some interesting stories in there. I've read a few of them. And, uh, you know, given the amount of talent involved with this, there's bound to be some good stuff there. So yeah, as, as Keith says, 96 page prestige, one shot, one and done. And then just one last thing I wanted to point out from the DC book, although talk about an early solicit this isn't actually out until may the 23rd of next year uh but it'll be definitely going on to my bookshelf and that is the absolute batman three jokers uh you know great series from jeff johns jason faybook some of faybook's best ever art i would argue so therefore being expanded to this absolute edition i'll definitely be jumping on board with it admittedly the price is a little bit steeper than i would like it's a hundred dollar book for what was essentially three oversized issues so maybe a six issue miniseries at best I hope there's some uh, there's some supplemental material here to bulk it out and at least make it worthwhile. But, but yeah, Three Jokers I thought was a great story. You know, it lived up to the hype. It, it, it was a long time in the making. And again, absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, it's hit an absolute format. But again, it's an early solicit. It won't be out until the 23rd of May of next year. So that is the DC book for October. Why don't we jump straight in then to the Marvel. Take it away. Okay, dokie. Well, let's kick off with Dark Web, uh, which is the uh, Spider-Man X-Men crossover that uh, that we mentioned uh, in our in our intro. Um, and you were looking for a wee bit of an explanation in this, Alan. Um, yeah. So Madeline Pryor and Ben Reilly uh, are clones of two of Marvel Comics' greatest superheroes, and Jean Grey and uh, Peter Parker, and. They've gotten the short end of the stick time and time again, most recently in Spider-Man Beyond, uh, which starred uh, Ben Reilly as Spider-Man, but uh, didn't end particularly well for him. And this December, they'll be joining forces 
to take their ultimate revenge in Dark Web, an epic new crossover which will involve Spider-Man, the X-Men, Venom, Miss Marvel, and a few others. The saga will apparently punch, it will apparently fan the embers of the iconic Inferno crossover, which uh, involved Madeline Pryor bringing uh, Limbo to Earth uh, and then all of its demon, demonic denizens. A great crossover, uh, X-Men crossover, if you've never read it. And it will pack an emotional punch that pays off decades of Marvel Comics storytelling. We already got a bit of a, a, bit of a peek at it during uh, our, the free comic book day issue uh, this year. And now it's time to see just how things will continue to spiral downward for our favorite heroes uh, across December and January. Dark Web is going to be unfolding in the pages of Zeb Wells' run on Amazing Spider-Man, where he'll be joined by superstar artist Ed McGuinness for the duration of the story arc. Uh, in issues 17 and 18, Peter Parker is reeling from the opening battles of the event and now finds himself in limbo. Uh, Peter not only has to find his way home, but he has to do it in a particularly hellish fashion. He's being shadowed uh, and as if, you know, the normal demons of limbo, uh, which, uh, as I mentioned, is now controlled by Madeline Pryor, as if they weren't enough. Spidey finds himself facing a small army of demonized, ver demonized versions of his own rogues gallery. Uh, and he just needs to make it home in time to stop Chasm, who is the new identity uh, of Ben Riley and the Goblin Queen, uh, Madeline Pryor's demonic identity, uh, trying to get home to stop them in time. Across the crossover or across the storyline, we've also got Norman Osborn finding himself face to face with his own sins after battling Chasm uh, as Goblin Queen makes her terrifying return in Gold Goblin. Mary Jane Watson and Felicia Hardy, meanwhile, are trapped in limbo at the mercy of Belasco and Jed McKay and uh, Vincent Caratu's uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat. Uh, and Al Ewing, Ramvi and Brian Hitch's Venom. Bedlam has come calling once again, looking to finish what it started by killing Dylan, uh, Brock and Venom once and for all. Kamala Khan finds herself teleported to limbo uh, in Dark Web Miss Marvel and uh, Madeline's complex place within the Summers family leads to a dramatic confrontation within Jerry Dugan and Rodriguez's uh, Dark Web X-Men. So plenty uh, plenty going on um, across all of those titles. The structure of the thing will be sort of a Dark Web uh, one-shot called Dusk, which is kicking the thing off this month. Um, we have across a couple of issues of Spider-Man, a couple of issues of Dark Web X-Men, Dark Web Miss Marvel, Mary Jane and Black Cat, Gold Goblin, uh, Venom, a couple more issues of Spider-Man in January, uh, Miss Marvel in January, Dark Web X-Men in January, Mary Jane, Black Cat, Gold Goblin and Venom. And then in February, we're, kick we're finishing off with Venom number 16 and a Dark Web finale number one, which is subtitled Dawn. So we have Dusk and Dawn. Um, looks like uh, what about... Uh, about 18 issues maybe something like that um and it's across uh, uh the dark web x-men and the dark web miss marvel and mary jane and black cat are specific limited series like, like two or three issues uh and we have you know spider-man as an ongoing venom's an ongoing gold goblins a miniseries so it, i suppose it really depends what again what you want to pick up i would say that you know the dark webs the dark web one shots dusk and dawn are probably core to this, uh, as is Amazing Spider-Man, um, possibly Venom, uh, and maybe, I don't know, the X-Men, the Dark Web X-Men series, but other than that, could probably pick and choose. 
Yeah, I would agree with that based on the, the checklist itself. Obviously, Spidey has the most issues in there. There's four in total. Uh, but yeah, Dusk and Dawn, I think, would be essential. Venom, there is three issues in there. And then, obviously, they've subtitled Dark Web X-Men with uh, with three issues as well. So, But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to think if you're on at least Amazing and Venom, you'll probably be able to follow the story anyway. But it's just how much depth you want. You want to see these other yeah. things that are going on at the time. Uh, yeah. I agree. I would say the reason that I say that, that, that Dark Web X-Men, that three-issue miniseries, is probably critical is because this is billed as a Spider-Man X-Men crossover. Uh, so unless the X-Men are, are very much appearing in Amazing Spider-Man, that, may be, that might be fairly critical reading. Yeah, that's fair. But I like how they didn't just abandon the, uh, the main X-Men title by putting it there they actually made it a subtitle one so uh but yeah no the checklist yeah. is there it's easy enough to find uh, and i'm guessing the checklist will also be the reading order uh i would have to imagine That's but uh, a fair we'll point. Yep. see Absolutely. that so yeah so dark web definitely dc uh, dc definitely marvel's big event going into the end of the year and kicking off 2023 as well i think zeb wells has more than earned the trust at this point the amazing spider-man run under his tutelage has been fantastic so far uh so yeah this is definitely one to one to look forward to i always enjoy the spider-man centric events more than zen x-men or an avengers centric event maybe it's just more accessible because mm-hmm. spidey's the ultimate you know the ultimate underdog so to speak but uh yeah i'll i'll look forward to this and i'll i'll probably pick up a majority of those i'm a big miss marvel fan so i think i'll pick those up mary jane black cat uh, take her leave uh gold goblin just looks so silly to me but uh, <laughs> uh gold goblin gold goblin i'm on because uh because of the fact that it's christopher cantwell on it um the uh, mary jane and black cat i'm on because it's jed mckay right now yeah well that's it i suppose the creators uh could could bring you into those so do has mm-hmm. they do have rather nice j scott campbell covers as well we'll see we'll see uh but yeah so dark uh, web is definitely front and centric in the in the marvel previews book this month i would say but uh yeah we, we go from there and on to a couple of number ones and believe it or not one of them even made it onto the board as i can set aside my own distaste for certain characters if something <laughs> looks good and there's good creators involved <laughs> You're yeah. growing. You're growing, Alan. I'm growing. I'm growing. You know, I'm nearly forty now. I can't be. Uh, I can't be holding these grudges much longer. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, a brand new Iron Man series kicking off, and they've went with a classic subtitle for it of the Invincible Iron Man, uh, as opposed to just Iron Man, which uh, Cantwell, who you'd previously mentioned, there is just finishing up a run on. Uh, so Invincible Iron Man is a brand new number one, as I say. Jerry Duggan is uh, writing this one. Uh, Juan Fragiri on art. There's the usual, you know, mounted of variant covers. We'll see which ones are ratios and which ones are easily ordered. But there's some good talent involved there. Pepe Larraz, Marco Cicero, uh, just a couple of examples. John Romina Jr. And even an extreme Marvel variant cover by our friend of the store, Declan Shelby, as well. So, but yeah, Invincible Iron Man number one. As is always the way, it has the dramatic Marvel subtitle that Stan the Man would have been proud of himself. It all ends for about the 100th time. Uh, Tony Stark, the genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, has it all. I love that they have actually taken a line from the Avengers movie and put it there. Uh, has lost it all his wealth his fame his friends but Stark doesn't realise he still has so much more to lose especially when the assassins start to come for him it's the beginning of the end as the golden avenger must fight for his life and find out what it really means to hit rock bottom join Jerry Dugan and Juan Fragiri as they take Iron Man to the darkest corners of the Marvel Universe yet so I have to assume that that'll be the new Iron Man ongoing 
There's no set length offered here at this point. So I would say until further notice, that'll be an ongoing title. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, given the, the dark depths that Cantwell has taken him to in his uh, run, I'll be interested to see how much lower they could go. I mean, maybe I should read it. I mean, they all seem to be putting Tony through the ringer. Maybe I would enjoy that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> but as well as a brand new number one for uh, Iron Man, there's also a brand new volume kicking off for Miles Morales' Spider-Man. So new creative team on this of Cody Ziglar writing and Federico, Federico Vicentini on art. Um, being covered by Dyke Ruan. And then again, you've got plenty of variants on offer here, including the hardest working variant artist in the game, Peach Momoko, not doing one. But two variants for this, no less. So this uh, is kicking off with a story arc subtitled Trial by Spider. Spider-Man faces the strongest, super-powered foes and most dangerous gauntlets the multiverse can throw his way. And every time Miles Morales falls, he rises again, stronger than before. Until now. There are some punches you don't get up from and a new villain isn't pulling a single one as they threaten everything and everything Everything and everyone that Miles loves. Between school, home, his love life and battling supercharged and upgraded villains night and day, Miles is reaching his breaking point. And when this new foe is finished, Spider-Man's world will be changed forever. Guest starring Mark Gargan, aka The Scorpion. Don't miss the next Marvel masterpiece from writer Cody Ziglar and artist Federico Vincentini. So 40 page uh, issue one to kick things off with. By the sound of it, a new villain introduced. So speculators at the ready. For everyone else... Jumping on point for Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The last, the last run, the most recent run of uh, of uh, Miles Morales has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, been very, very enjoyable. Um, so I'll, I'll be sticking with it and uh, seeing if it if it uh, lives up to it. Excellent. So yeah, so a couple of brand new number ones there, and then I think you had talked about in the intro about maybe a, a new yearly thing Marvel have. This is something they're doing a little bit at the moment. Of course, you've got the the Hellfire Gala annual, uh, which is sort of giving you the state mm-hmm. of play, I suppose, in the X Men universe. But this seems to be another one that they're repeating on a yearly basis. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about Timeless number one by by Jed McKay and Greg Land, and uh, last year Jed McKay also yeah also uh, put this out and it was uh, a look at the Marvel Universe to come in 2022 uh, through the eyes of Kang the Conqueror. This is a shocking look at the Marvel Universe to come in 2023. The last battle of Kang the Conqueror, tyrant of the timeline, master of endless legions, warrior and conqueror without compare. Kang is in search of the one thing he cannot have, but he is not the only one after the missing moment and Kang soon finds himself in a new position on the run across the events of the Marvel Universe's future. So what was really interesting about Timeless last year was Jed McKay wove a brilliant story around, you know, previews of what's to come in, in, uh, in, in Marvel 2022. So I'm expecting much the same thing here, uh, just a very entertaining one-shot that uh, gets you excited about uh, about some of the stuff that's, uh, that's coming up. And it's always interesting to try and take the time to go back and read the previous one to see how much stuff came to pass and how much still has to come to pass. Uh, so yeah, it's a cool wee, it's a cool wee thing, uh, for sure. Nice, nice. So plenty more in the Marvel book, of course. You know, Daredevil continuing, Strange is there, Avengers, Strange Academy is back, Ghost Rider, Thor, 
all continuing on all and doing all good stuff there. Uh, but I did come across one more here, which takes us slightly off script, which I think is definitely worth mentioning before we jump into a couple of uh, graphic and omnibuses I wanted to mention. And it's uh, it's a Marvel Tales edition. So Marvel Tales are essentially uh, reprints of older issues. They'll usually put three or four, maybe five issues together and focus on a character. So there might be, you know, Ghost Rider Marvel Tales, Incredible Hulk Marvel Tales, whatever. But this one is actually Origins of Marvel Comics Marvel Tales. So these are issues that were written by Stan Lee and drawn by Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. So you're essentially getting origins for some of the best, most beloved characters in the Marvel Universe. So... Four of the cornerstone issues that ushered in the Marvel Age of Comics in one unbeatable package. In Fantastic Four number one, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby changed everything, introducing Reed Richards, Ben Grimm and Susan Johnny Storm, and sending them on an ill-fated uh, trip that transformed them into the Fantastic Four. In Amazing Fantasy 15, Lee joined another legend, Steve Ditko, to spin a tale of power and responsibility, featuring teen Wallflower Peter Parker the icon in the making named Spider-Man. In X-Men number one, Lee and Kirby created a new breed of hero, the X-Men whose mutant abilities are a gift they're born with, or is that a curse? And then finally, in Avengers number one, they united Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Ant-Man and the Wasp in battle with Loki, and lo, the Avengers performed. So that's going to be a 104-page one-shot. It's an $8 book, so it comes in roughly about £7 in store. But I mean, there you're getting four of the biggest origins in the history of comics, all in one edition. Um, obviously they've been releasing things like facsimiles recently and perfect reprints of these old issues but that is a fantastic package if you're a younger reader or you're new to the Marvel Universe or even if you just enjoy the movies and like to see where these characters you know had their origins back in the 60s that is an absolutely phenomenal piece of work right there all included in one Marvel Tales edition so just spotted that the last second as I was flicking through to the uh, <laughs> to the graphic novel omnibus section so I'll, I'll be picking up yeah, one of those yeah myself. good spot but uh, yeah just going to finish off the Marvel book with a look at two graphic novels and one omnibus because you know, obviously I've fallen down an omnibus rabbit hole, but they're releasing some of the runs that I've always wanted to read. You know, I've heard great things about them. The One of the more recent ones, of course, was Ultimate Spider-Man. You know, I blazed through that first volume in record time, waiting for volume two because that stuff has, has been great. Of course, Bendis and Bagley. But another iconic Spider-Man run from Dan Slott uh, is coming out in... It, it is an early solicit, I believe. Uh, it will be for uh, April 2023. But... This is the Superior Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 1. So this was primarily kicked off by Dan Slott and Rand Stegman. And this is, is it too much to say that this really revitalized Spider-Man with something completely different. Uh, it certainly was. I mean, it was a, a part of it was a part of Dan Slott's seminal run uh, on, on Spider-Man. So I don't know. I don't know if, if I would say that he was in need of revitalization, but it was certainly a fantastic uh, extended story arc, more of a, a maxi series, uh, which, uh, I mean, have you have you read this? I, I haven't, no, that's that's the thing. It's one of those runs um, I've always heard about. So it was, I mean, it kicked off with, uh, with Peter Parker apparently uh, being, you know, killing, uh, or Doc, Dr. Octopus apparently dying at the hands of, of Peter. Uh, and uh, what actually what actually happened was it was a plan of Doc Ox uh, for him to uh take take peter's mind take peter's body uh so he implanted his own his own mind in, in peter's body and uh apparently you know peter's personality just sort of disappeared and uh doc ock despite it decided he was going to become a superior version of, of spider-man 
uh, build his own life, you know, and try and insinuate himself into Peter's life and, and uh, be better than Peter Parker could ever be as Spider-Man. So it was a really fantastic, fantastic run. Really, really excellent. Yeah, and this sounds really, really um, like it's a, the perfect collected edition. It has a couple of issues of Amazing Spider-Man, 698 to 700, but then it has that complete Superior Spider-Man run, which was uh, 31 issues, 1 to 31, plus the annual mm-hmm. number 1 and 2 mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, you're talking 960 pages there, and, you know, kick things off with Rand Stegman on art and Superior Spider-Man. We've also got other Spider-Man royalty working on this, you know, Humberto Ramos, Giuseppe Camoncoli, Javier Rodriguez. Uh, Dan Slott was joined also by Christus Gage and writing as well. So it's just one of those ones I've always wanted to read. And like when we bought a big comic lot for the store, I think there was about 25 of the 31 issues in there. And you're just uh-huh. like, oh, there's still some missing, that kind of thing. So I have read issue one and I really enjoyed that. But I just sort of held back and thought, I'll, I'll pick this up when it hits an Omni form. So uh-huh. uh, I'll uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it as much as you, you enjoyed Ultimate Spider-Man. I think it's really compelling stuff. Well, that's good to hear. That is good to hear. So, but yeah, there was two other trades I just wanted to point out, just because they're two runs I've been really enjoying anyway. Uh, you've got the first volume of the sort of the first volume of the second volume run of Chip Zdarsky. That's not awkward at all. Uh, but this is Daredevil and Electra, so to speak, by Chip Zdarsky, Volume One. So this is the Red Fist Saga. Uh, we're only a couple of issues into this in the single issues. I think we're three issues in so far. Uh, but this is going to collect numbers one to five. So again. Daredevil jumping on point. I'm sure there'll be more people interested in that, as I've already had She-Hulk episode yet spoiled, but we'll not go into that. And uh, uh, no. And also, the other one I really wanted to point out, because this is a run I have been loving so far, uh, written by Colin Kelly, Jackson Lanzig, uh, and Toshi Onyabuchi, uh, drawn by Matteo de Ulis and Carmen Carnero. This is Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, Volume 1. This has uh, got the subtitle Revolution. And... I've been digging this so much. This really evokes Brubaker memories uh, because I've been reading that run recently for Uncap as well. I find with Captain America at the moment, you've got your two titles. So you've got your Steve Rogers title, which is this one, Sentinel of Liberty. And you've got Symbol of Truth, which is your Sam Wilson one. The Sam Wilson one seems a little bit more aloof in places, has, you know, guest stars, so to speak. Although there's some serious stuff going on in that at the moment, especially between, you know, Cap and Wakanda and so forth. But for me, oh, yeah. Sentinel of Liberty is the noir, spy, undercover, globe-trotting type title. And I think this has yeah. been great so far. And the trade mm-hmm. contains both Issue Zero, which set up both series, but also Sentinel yes. of Liberty 1-6 to six as well. So if you, if you haven't been on that run, that is definitely highly, highly recommended. For sure, I'm really, really enjoying it. As you say, those 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 Norish, Noirish sort of throwbacks and whatnot. I wonder whenever they release the uh, the symbol of truth, uh, will they also include the zero issue at the start of it? You would imagine so. I mean, it, it definitely did mm. set up both series, so it would it would certainly make sense too. But I mean, I'm enjoying both runs. You know, it, it's not I'm enjoying mm-hmm. one more than the other, but yeah. I do like that the tone is different in both. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, absolutely. But uh, yeah, but that's the Marvel book. There's tons more beyond what we just talked about. But you know, again, we're we're trying to simplify it down to you know some chosen you know choice picks, shall we say? Uh, so we'll not go into any more. But again, these books are always in store, or of course you can find the solicitations online if you want to go into even more depth than that. So we will finish off as we always do with the indie book, and again breaking it down by publisher. You know, we've got titles this month from Image, from Boom, Dark Horse, Dynamite. Dynamite, Aftershock, Frank Miller presents, and also Titan as well. So again, plenty to look forward to. There's some, you know, 
franchise stuff here there's some completely brand new titles and there's also one or two either jumping on points for tales we enjoy or complete collections of some highly recommended stuff as well so we're going to kick things off with image and this is going to be easily one of my most pushed titles towards the end of this year i've actually been fortunate enough to read this issue uh, i had an interview with the writer and artist, uh, which should be going out over the weekend, uh, hopefully. It was a really, really good chat. It was just myself. Keith was on holiday at the time, and even I wouldn't interrupt his holiday to, you know, talk comics. So uh, this is a title called All Against All. It's a brand new number one. It's initially set up as a five-issue miniseries, but as you'll learn if you do listen to that podcast interview, these guys have a big world imagined here and much more planned should this title do well. So... I should say the writer is Alex Pacnadel and the artist is Casper Weingard. And with this one, they, they pitched it as basically Aliens meets Tarzan. And they sent me the first issue, as I say. Now, I'm not a big digital reader. That was the only drawback. Uh, but I read through it last night. And this has a very, very unique tone. And you can tell it is very well planned out. It's got some beautiful art by Casper Weingard, most well-known probably for Homesick Pilots recently. Alex Pagnadel is currently working on DC vs. Vampires All Out War with Matthew Rosenberg. And uh, Alex Pagnadel is also a member of the what's known as the White Noise Collective, which you know Ram talked to us about before as well. All these London-based creators that all sort of help each other out. But to give you the uh, the blurb on this, you know, writer Alex Pagnadel and Casper Weingard present the primal vision of humanity gone terribly wrong. In All Against All, it is the distant future. Earth is long gone, but a race of alien conquerors known as the Operators have preserved its most savage animals in an artificial jungle environment they barely understand. With no bodies of their own, the Operators move from world to world, harvesting bodies for organic exosuits they use to wage their endless wars. Ignored and underestimated by his captors is the habitat's sole human specimen, Helpless. However, when their efforts to find and harvest an apex predator intensify, he gives them far more than they bargained for. Also features some varying covers. I mean, it's nice to have friends that are this talented. Uh, Sean Phillips is doing a cover. Martin Simmons doing a cover. Christian Ward doing a cover. Uh, but yeah, I really, really dug this. And it's also going to be one that we throw in on our uh, number ones initiative, which just in case you're not familiar with it, uh, we're essentially highlighting number ones that are fully creator owned. And we're doing it for, you know, either people whose work we thoroughly enjoy, titles we really believe in, or even uh, even guys who are good enough to give up their time, you know, to do podcasts with us or, you know, YouTube interviews or signings in store, whatever. We're offering those titles at a 25% discount, which, to be honest, is pretty much cost price for us. We're not actually really making anything on it. But the idea is that we can order big in these titles in case people come to them late. We'll have first print number ones there. Uh, people are maybe more willing to give these titles a chance because, you know, the the price we're selling them at is £3 as opposed to £4. And then if you enjoy it, you can jump on, you can throw it on your pull list. But there's obviously no obligation. If you just want to read number one, it's not for you. That's fine. But it also means that you don't think you've bought a full price issue that maybe didn't live up to expectations. So All Against All is going to be the fourth title we're doing that with. We've already done it with Old Dog by Declan Shelby. Uh, we've done it with Kaya from Wes Craig. The next one we'll be doing is uh, Damn Them All from Cy Spurrier and Charlie Adler. And then All Against All is going to be the fourth one as well. So highly, highly recommend this, especially at that price. But honestly, like this, this has a tone and a feel to it completely unlike anything else around at the moment. So highly, highly recommend it. So that's good. I was very, I was very sorry to, to miss that interview and I'm looking forward to listening to it whenever you get it out. 
Well, the good news is Alex Pagnadel's other half, his wife, is from Ireland, so you never know, he may rock up to the store one day, but, you know, that's we'll see about that. But, you know, we, we do as much as we can to do these ch- cheaper initiatives, bring down the price of comics, and then Mark Millar just runs in with his talented head and his nice initiative to sell comics at $2. Uh. Bastard. Anyway. Uh. Uh, a, uh, so, yeah, as I say, Mark Miller, you know, well known to any comic fan, you know, responsible for loads of great stuff in the Marvel Universe, responsible for loads of great stuff in, in independent comics, you know, most notably, of course, Kick-Ass, Hit-Girl, Jupiter's Legacy, Magic Order, you know, list goes on and on. But he's got a new series starting through Image Comics, which is going to be a six-issue mini-series. Uh, it comes with a little gold star on the uh, the previous pages that says, this series will be $1.99. Take that, Marvel and DC. And it's uh, it's a title called Nightclub. It sounds really, really cool. So written by Mark Millar. Uh, art is by Juanan Ramirez. It's a horror title. Not only is it $2, the first issue is 40 pages. Like, he's really making... I think he's trying to call out, like, Marvel and DC and how their prices are rising and stuff like that. But, I don't know. One man against the industry. I love it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. 40 page number one. Horror. You're 17 years old and you've been bitten by a vampire. Do you live in the shadows and drink human blood? Or do you use your newfound gifts for the dream costume superhero life you've always wanted? You're bulletproof. You can crawl up walls and you can turn to mist. Bats or even a wolf. Why not have a little fun? This is uh, basically solicited as Kick-Ass meets Cirque de Freak in this action-packed horror series. You know, you've got a variant there from Greg Capullo as well. Yeah. As I say, he just, he just had the outdoors, Mark Millar, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if he's specifically targeting you. I think but, so. Uh, I, I take it very personally. Very personally. Can only be a good, can only be a good thing. Can only be a good thing if, uh, if you know, a major, uh, major uh, player in the industry is sort of suggesting that Things are getting a wee bit too expensive, especially uh, as we enter a cost of living crisis. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, one that we both uh, were really keen to to mention is the uh, the Middle West uh, complete teal uh, trade paperback. Uh, Middle West uh, follows well, following a, a violent storm that levels his sleepy Middle West town. Uh, young Abel and his companion Fox must hastily flee into a world of mystical carnies and soothsayer hobos, bridge trolls, wilderness spirits, endless forests, and forgotten children. Uh, it was an 18-issue epic by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona, neither of which uh, need any explanation on, on this show. And it collects the complete tale of Abel, a boy who must navigate a strange and mysterious land in order to discover who he can become. Um it's I guess it's a story of uh of fathers and sons and abusive relationships and uh and so forth, but a really fantastic piece. Uh we both collected all 18 issues uh and really, really enjoyed it. So it's been presented here in trade paperback format at a, a lower a lower price point than the previous uh, hardcover collection. Um so if you haven't read Middle West, I highly recommend that you get on it. Yeah, something I completely echo. One of the best series we've read in the last few years. It was a uh, a constant pick of the week, or constantly on our honourable mentions. We were always talking about it any time a new issue came out. 
uh, just tons of imagination, but a lot of depth to it as well. And and as Keith stated there, there was a hardcover that came out that collected all 18. It was around the $60 mark. So you're literally cutting that in half here for a trade paperback version. You know, you work it out, one day a team with exclusive bonus features. You're talking less than £2 an issue this will come out at, which is just quite frankly a steal for one of the best uh, comics of recent years. So... Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it with regards to Image. You know, there's still tons of great stuff, you know, continuing through Image. You know, the last issue of Stillwater comes out. Uh, you know, you've got that Texas Blood, one of the best titles in the shells, continuing. You got Radiant Black. You got you know, there's tons of great stuff there. But those are just the new ones we would mention for this month. So we'll move straight away from Image and on to Boom. And I think Boom are on to a winner this month. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff uh, come out. Uh, one of the first things that caught my eye was uh, the next uh, series from uh, Sarah Gilly uh, and artist uh, Leanna Kangas. Uh, Sarah Gilly uh, wrote uh, Eat the Rich, which was a fantastic and disturbing um, story about the difference between uh, rich and poor uh, and, uh, and, and exactly the, the form that can take. But in her second series, she's uh, she's not pulling any punches with Know Your Station, released on December 7th. The wealthiest people in the solar system abandoned the Earth for a private sanctuary in space, leaving the rest of us to die amidst cataclysmic climate change, which is, of course, how Elon Musk would have it uh, if he gets his way. But the 1% won't be safe for long. A murderer is on the list specifically targeting the super-rich. Soon Elise, an employee of the billionaire space station, is wrapped up in a deadly investigation with each issue featuring a new diabolically different kill. 2021's breakout star, Sarah Gailey, Eat the Rich, and rising star, Leanna Kangas, uh, through cult, uh, takes a stab at the ultra-wealthy, their dreams of escaping the very planet they've put in peril and the consequences of the future that might not be so far away. Yeah, she loves targeting the 1% and the uber-rich, so we are on board this all the way. Uh, but yeah, no, it looks, looks great. And again, it's it's another scenario where you're following the work of creators whose previous work you've enjoyed, because as you said there, Eat the Rich was fantastic. Uh, so uh, I'll definitely be jumping onto that. What else have we got from Yeah, Boom? I mean, Boom is, Boom is knocking it out this, this, this month, as you say. And this one's going to interest you just because of the, the pedigree of, the, uh, of the, the visionaries on it. We have director, screenwriter, and one of the creators behind the Batman and Project Power, creator Matt Tomlin, Mattson Tomlinson, teams up with iconic artist Lee Bromero, uh, Batman Damned and Joker. Uh, Sean Thacker is a trained assassin from the future who seeks revenge on the only other man with his affliction. Each life they take forces them to both travel between vastly different past and future eras, spanning from the 22nd century Tokyo to 1950s New Orleans to the Cretaceous uh, Cretaceous, uh, era and beyond. The two mortal rivals are locked in a battle of wills that spans millions of years, all to alter the course of history. With each time period, artist Lee Bromeo uh, adjusts his artistic style to pay homage to luminary comic artists and historical master painters presented in a prestige oversized format. Um, sounds sounds fantastic. Apart from the format, um, you know, it uh, really it's a high really high concept uh, of a book, um, and I mean it, it turns my mind to decorum. Uh, you know, in which the art you know the artist buried the art and the the the, the medium even 
when he was telling different parts of the story. So interesting stuff, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, this this might be my most anticipated title along with All Against All, but only because I've already read All Against All. Uh, in terms of the previews book this month, I mean, I love the, the juxtaposition of different art styles through it as well. I mean, Bromeo's always been an artist I've loved, you know, does such great stuff on Batman, of course, great variant artist. But the fact that he's utilizing different styles here is really, really interesting to me. You can see different colors because there's a lot of previews pages in the uh, in the previews catalog here. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see this. I yeah, I'm really, really high concept. Matson Tolman and uh, of course did uh, what was it? Batman the Imposter as well, which was very good with Andrea mm-hmm, Sorrentino. Mm-hmm. One of the co-writers, as you say, of the Batman movie, you know, obviously, which we we enjoyed so much. So, yeah, it's it's a great uh, pedigree of talent involved in this. And again, I think that is going to be something pretty special. Moving along with Boom, we jump straight into everybody's childhood when they used to argue over who would win the fight between the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, we didn't because over in this side of the world, they were called the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles because apparently ninjas were just too violent. Anyway, um, I mean, you want to look at pedigree of a team in a title. Written by Ram Parrot, drawn by Dan Mora. Need I say more? Uh, they reunite for the crossover of the year. I love that this is coming out in December. That's the crossover of the year. Uh, but anyway, this is coming out December 20th, literally the last release week before the new year. Uh, and if you're a fan of either of these franchises, I think this is going to be something really cool. It's going to be a, a five-issue miniseries. Uh, again, Ram Parrot, of course... Is, is primarily known as a Power Rangers writer, but doing great stuff with Rogue Son. And Dan Moore is just quite simply one of the best artists around. You know, Once in Future alone is enough to attest to that, but he's been cutting his teeth in detective comics and, uh, and, and all sorts. But it's been six months since the Teenagers with Attitude and the Heroes in a Half Shell. Turtle power? Uh, that had to be said. <laughs> Teamed up to defeat the Unholy Alliance of Rita Repulsa and Shredder, but a new threat will force them to reunite in the crossover you demanded. Between an invasion from beyond, old enemies team up with unlikely accomplices and a threat to the Rangers' powers themselves, will the two teams survive the onslaught or will they need help from the most unexpected ally imaginable? Longtime Power Rangers architect Varan Parrot uh, joins force with superstars Dan Mora uh, to deliver the follow-up to the hit crossover. And then there's tons of variants and stuff, but I'm not going to go into that. I've had enough ranting about variants this month. Just get your cover eyes there. That'll be more than uh, more than enough. But sounds really cool. And as I say, five issues. I I love these kind of crossovers because you just jump into them. They're they're finite series and they're just fun. And they maybe transport you transport you back to a simpler time, perhaps. But something that very much does not transport you back to a simpler time, and something that actually, now that I'm a father, a title that scares the bejesus out of me simply because kids see all these scary things that parents can't see. Uh, we've got a one-shot coming out, which is kind of encyclopedic. It's quite interesting what they're doing here. This is Book of Slaughter. So this is written by James Tinian IV, illustrated by Werther Deladera, of course, the original writer and artist on Something is Killing the Children. Tinian co-writes uh, House of Slaughter, the spin-off, although it's a different artist on that. It's Chris Sheehan. But what this is is, the future of the Slaughterverse is laid bare by something that's killing the children, House of Slaughter creators, James Tinian and Werther Deladera, in the very first Sictic one-shot special. From the sidelines to the spotlight, Book of Slaughter follows the white mask Maxine Slaughter, but will her loyalties remain where they are, or will they show her true colours? In addition to being a precursor to the upcoming chapters of both series, this special issue features a sizable guidebook. 
there's Keith's magic words uh, that delves Ooh. deep into the lore of the Order of St. George. So, again, this is a, a one-shot, and if you're on something skilling the children and House of Slaughter, I would say this is absolutely essential. If you're on one or the other, it's probably still worth uh, worth checking out. Um, and then we finish off then in Boom Studios with one of my titles of the year. Uh, I'm looking forward to us getting back on the reviews. We promise, dear listener, they're going to come soon. Uh, but one of my favorite series this year has been Grimm uh, by Stephanie Phillips and art by Flaviano. It's the basically do with reapers who carry souls from one world to the next. Uh, and it has grown exponentially from there. The, the fifth issue I read, which was the end of the first story arc, opens this world up massively it's one genuinely one of the best titles around but the reason i i'm spotlighting it here is because in december grim number six comes out so this is the start of a new story arc by this point the the trade paperback will be out which of course will contain issues one to five uh so yeah stephanie phillips writing flaviano on art who also does covers following the wild success and high demand for reprints from the initial issues of grim the series continues on its next exciting chapter for fans new to the series grim number six releases in tandem with the grim volume one uh soft cover a perfect starting point to binge the secrets of the afterlife still trapped in las vegas jessica eddie and marcel encounter a fabulous twist on a mythical greek figures as well as someone with the authority to get them out of their phantasmal dilemma I mean, I've went big in this series. I there's there's certain series get their hooks into you. I have issue one, first print, second print, third print, fourth print, and variants. Issue two, multiple printings. I have two graded copies of number one of this, both nine point eights. I have incentive variants from this. It's it's a series that just really get under my skin, and I, I don't think you're on it, Keith, are you? No, no, but the way you're talking about it, I might consider having a wee look. I mean, I have plenty of number ones I can throw you one of, uh, just to give it a go. But no, it's it's honestly fantastic. I mean, we've been enjoying Stephanie Phillips' work for a couple of years, even you more so than me, because I think she's the writer on A Man Among You, for example. She um, is indeed, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's done a lot of great indie titles in the last couple of years, and then that's why I jumped on this. It also gave me sort of sick tick vibes before I picked it up, so I thought I'd give it a go. But yeah, I must throw you a number one of it, just because you don't have enough stuff to read and uh so yeah. you can get caught yeah. up on that anyway but yeah grim number six as i say the the trade will be out around the same time and then if you fancy jumping on those single issues that is your perfect time to do so so that is boom uh i believe coming up next is from dark horse and a title you were really looking forward to uh this is another one that ended up in people's pull list before the previous books even dropped and i can understand why i mean the next the next two from dark horse and dynamite are my two most anticipated titles of uh of december the first is uh from dark horse released december 14th assassin's apprentice number one uh based on and taken from uh the first novel from uh writer robin hobb uh which is the the pseudonym of uh, megan lindholm um we're, we're in the depth of house of dragons and rings of power and all of that fantasy stuff but this is this is one of my favorite fantasy series of all time uh until recently fitz was only known as boy the illegitimate son of a powerful noble fitz is taken by his uncle prince verity who prepares the boy for a journey to the capital to meet his grand his royal grandfather but fitz is not a normal child an ancient power stirs inside him something will change the destiny of the six duchies forever um assassin's apprentice was a fantasy novel written by uh American writer Robin Hobb. It was published in 1995 and was the first book of the Farseer trilogy. And the novel covers the early life of Fitzchivalry, a royal bastard 
living in Buckkeep Castle as he begins his training as an assassin and successfully safeguards the throne from his overambitious uncle Regal, uh, almost at the cost of his own life. Uh, the stories of those characters found in the Farseer trilogy then continued in the Tony Man trilogy and the Fits and the Fool series, which is also a trilogy. And then there was, there was the live ship traders in the Rain Wild Chronicle, which are set in the same world and in the same time frame. Uh, and with some some crossover, but I mean this this is just it's a fantastic fantastic series of books. She's a fantastic writer, and uh, the world introduced here is is just phenomenal. I'm rereading or trying to when I get the, the rare chance to read books, uh, I'm rereading the second series at the minute, uh, and uh, really enjoying it. So this this couldn't have come out at a more at a more timely place. Um, the writer on the on the, the comic is Jody Houser. The artist is Ryan Kelly with Jordy Belair on colours. Uh, and of course they read so it's based on on Robin Hobb's original original story. Uh you should pick this up. It's good stuff. I will do. It's not a, a world or novel I'm particularly familiar with, so uh, this will maybe be my segue into it with a, a six issue mini series. Jody Hauser's very, you know, safe pair of hands as well. So yeah, I'll definitely uh, pick that up. Uh, certainly on your recommendation. Great. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Dynamite's uh, monthly attempt to get me to buy Dynamite books. And they're really succeeding this month with uh, the introduction of a new Gargoyles uh, ongoing series uh, by the original creator of that Disney cartoon series. It's an all-new ongoing series in continuity with the epic Gargoyles television classic. 1,000 years ago, superstition and sore ruled. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of Gargoyles. Stone by day, warriors by night. They were betrayed, betrayed by humans who they had sworn to protect. Frozen and stoned by a magical spell for a thousand years. Now here in Manhattan, the spell is broken and they live again. They are the defenders of the night. They are gargoyles. Series creator Greg Weissman and illustrator George Cambadis uh, reintroduced the Manhattan clan, a family of gargoyles at full strength. Uh, though modern New York City is full of attractions and distractions and each member of the clan has begun to go their own way. But their bonds will be tested when nefarious factions from all across the world attempt to steal that rarest, most precious of possessions, an unhatched gargoyle egg. Uh, are you familiar with the Gargoyles TV series? Fleetingly, fleetingly, shall we say. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the gist of it was it ran for 78, I think, half-hour episodes uh, over three seasons. Um and it is currently on Disney Plus. It was one of the big things that uh, that Disney talked about whenever they they were were promoting uh, Disney Plus. And the series features this species of nocturnal creatures known as gargoyles that, as mentioned in the opening crawl, there uh, turn to stone during the day. And it focuses on a clan led by Goliath. And in the year uh, nine hundred ninety four, the clan lives in in a castle in Scotland, and they're betrayed and killed by humans while they're while they're turned to stone and the remainder are magically cursed to sleep and the curse you know made in 1994 or 994 is that they would be frozen in stone form until the castle rises above the clouds which was something that was never supposed to happen and then a thousand years later in 1994 billionaire david xanatos buys the gargoyles castle and has it reconstructed on top of his new york skyscraper the eerie building and that then rises the castle above the clouds and reawakens Goliath and the remainder of his clan. So they, it's all about them adjusting to the new world. And they're, they they have a, a buddy who's a police officer uh, called uh, Elisa Maza. And uh, they come into conflict with the plots of David Xanatos, as well as 
adjusting to New York City and all these other supernatural doodads. It was actually an excuse to get the whole Star Trek The Next Generation cast back together because I think pretty much all of them were in there at some stage. Interesting. I mean, seeing that it's on Disney+, Plus, I'm really surprised this wasn't released through Marvel Comics as opposed to uh, to Dynamite. But maybe, yeah, yeah weird thought, one, yeah. Would have thought if Disney have the license, obviously Disney owns Marvel, you would have thought it would have went through that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it's just part of their uh, grand plan to get you onto a Dynamite title after all, and to stay with it. <laughs> and to stay with it. Yes, licensing's funny, isn't it? Yeah, very, very interesting when it comes to comics. Um, but yeah, just a, a few more to finish off from there. First of all, I wanted to throw up from Aftershock. There's a sequel to one of their best titles at the moment, which is Maniac of New York. Of course, it's a, a love letter to you know slasher cinema from the 80s. And there's a new one coming out. Same creative team, Elliot Callan writing, Andrea Muti on art. And it's subtitled Don't Call It a Comeback, which is just a great title in itself. So mm-hmm. with this one, Maniac Harry, the seemingly unstoppable killer, has finally been stopped. The city celebrates, the mayor takes the credit, and Maniac Task Force Director Gina Green, last seen, sliced the Maniac's head open, has disappeared to parts unknown. Now, NYPD detective Zelda Pettibone must pick up the pieces of a life that's suddenly so empty she almost wishes the Maniac was back. And unfortunately... Sometimes wishes are granted. That's right, there's a new maniac, but not the one you're expecting. Stay out of Central Park and stay away from cable news, because something terrifying is on the loose. Writer Elliot Callan and artist Andrea Muti return to the acclaimed horror satire series for a tale of horrifying gore and even more horrifying cultural relevance. So, new story arc there. The first two trades will be available as well. So, it's a world you can dip into if you're, as I say, a fan of 80s slasher cinema. But and, uh, uh, excellent, excellent use of an LL Cool J song title there in the in the subtitle. <laughs> we call it a comeback. Was that not an older song than that? There was a different song that came into my mind for "Don't Call It a Comeback," but yeah, now that you mention that. But yeah, uh, so two more to go. One for me, one from Keith, and uh, for my last one from this month, it is from the the new comic label Frank Miller Presents of course we talked about it last month Ronan Book 2 uh, was was one of them but there's a new one which is actually a young adult book from Frank Miller imagine that uh, so from Frank Miller Presents this is called Pandora so this is created by Frank Miller he's obviously overseen it and done story outlines but the title is written by Anthony Marinville and Chris Silvestri and the artist on it is Emma Kubert so Pandora is a new young adult fantasy inspired by the classic tale from Greek mythology created and reimagined by Frank Miller with art by new uh, sensation Emma Kubert who did Inkblot and script by Anthony Marinville and Chris Silvestri who've worked on Star Trek Discovery. So this is the latest book in the great line of titles from Frank Miller Presents and his second young adult series. Pandora is a three-part series and the first in a trilogy. Um, the book is the start of a truly epic adventure not to be missed. Annabeth now has all she's ever wanted, but her better place is an invasion, and she's the gateway to the end of the world. Only she can stop it, but to do so, she must sacrifice everything she loves. Just really cool-looking uh, artwork. What's interesting with this new Frank Miller Presents label is that every issue that comes out is 64 pages. Uh, obviously, get more bang for your buck with it. And interestingly, there's a 1 to 25 variant by Frank Miller. So if everybody could please pre-order that so I could get the 1 to 25, it would be greatly appreciated sad plug out of the way we will now finish off with one last title and it is all yours take it away mr miller yes indeed finishing off our gears into the crystal ball of what's to come in uh, in december in comics uh we have titan publishing's uh first issue of their 
I suppose you could call it their new Blade Runner series, but it's really just a continuation of the last two series. We kicked off with Blade Runner 2019, uh, which was, uh, I think, about 10 or 14 issues, something like that. Then we had Blade Runner 2029, which continued the uh, the story of Blade Runner Anna Ash Ashina. Uh, and now we have Blade Runner 2039. Now, Blade Runner 2019 and, and 2049 are significant in uh, in Blade Runner history because, I mean, that's when the, the, the two movies are set. Uh, so this is chronicle the time in between with, with 10-year jumps. Los Angeles 2039. It has been three years since Neander Wallace introduced his brand of perfectly obedient replicants and the ban on synthetic humans has been lifted, at least for the new Wallace models. The older Tyrell Corp's Nexus 8 units are still hunted by Blade Runners. Cleo Selwyn, first seen as a small child in Blade Runner 2019, issue number one, has returned to LA some 20 years later, searching for Isabel, a replicant copy of her real mother who died when she was three. Cleo believes that Neander Wallace is holding Isabel captive, and the only person she can call on for help is the one who saved her so many years ago, Anna Ash Ashina, now an edging and disgraced ex-Blade Runner. Uh, so... This will probably be, I don't know, this will, will maybe be the last of these these uh, sort of maxi-series by uh, by Mike Johnson and Andreas Guinaldo. Uh, you know, fill in the space between the original Blade Runner and, uh, and, and, and Blade Runner 2049. So, and doing such a good job at it, you know, it really it really is, is phenomenal stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting way to plug that gap, isn't it? Just by doing it every 10 years, 2019, 29, 39, and then as you say, you've got 49. Blade Runner Origins as well was also very good, which went right back to the the uh, introductory elements of the Tyrell Corporation and the Blade yeah. Runners and so forth. So they've it's certainly, uh, you know, for the first time, you're really feeling like you have a an almost full story of uh, of the world and how, how we got where we're at, you know? Yeah. No, the Blade Runner stuff's been really good, as I said, building that world out. So uh, definitely worth picking up. And again, I'm pretty sure we'll have all the trades in store because they have proven rather popular as well. So that is going to bring to an end the October previews book. Again, majority of those titles are due out in December. One or two advanced solicits as well. Uh, the initial order is due on the 21st of October, so a couple of weeks to get your orders in. But of course, we always get a chance to uh, up our numbers a month before they come out in December. So plenty of time. Even if you miss any of those cutoff points, just always get in touch. We'll always do our best to backtrack things for you as well. But at the same time, obviously, pre-ordering is the best way for us to know in terms of you know how popular a title is going to be, just to make sure people don't miss out as well. So, as ever, just you know, pop in the store for any pull list updates, or you know, drop them in a message on Messenger, whatever is most convenient. Or if you don't have a pull list with us and would like one, drop in. We can always sort that out for you as well. So, uh. My thanks as ever to my cohort Keith for traversing through the uh, previews books with me. Tons of great stuff to look forward to mm, there, and yeah, hopefully we'll both be bit. caught up by then. <laughs> you, you never do. <laughs> Pigs may fly and wonders may never cease. Indeed, I think we're both going to have the New Year's resolution this year of starting the year up to date and staying there. Uh, you never know, that might be when the reviews start up again as well. At this rate. <laughs> maybe we should just do an end of year review show and start afresh in january who knows we'll figure something out we'll get there we'll get there oh well but anyway as ever guys i hope this proved useful for you uh again you can find all the information on all the books in the store or check them out online you'll find them easily enough so uh again hope this was useful hope you enjoyed it and i look forward to seeing you guys in the store soon so take it easy so i've been alan taylor and this has been keith miller 
You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.